Welcome to the FCBC NYC podcast. We're so thankful that you decided to join us in this moment and in this season in your life. Our prayer is that this podcast will be a catalyst for conversion and transformation and that you will be inspired and renewed in such a tremendous way that your desire will be to be your best for God. Again, thank you for listening, and we're excited to see what is next in your life. We are an ever-evolving community of visionaries, dreamers, and doers who have been called by God to live the lives we were created to live, commanded by God to love beyond the limits of our prejudices, and commissioned by God to serve. Called to live, commanded to love, commissioned to serve. And we say it very simply, if you can't remember all that, we live, we love, we serve. Amen. Our text for today will be coming from the book of Mark. Mark chapter 7, verses 24 through 30. Mark 27, verses 24 through 30. And if you do not have a Bible, a Bible app with you, they will put it on the screen I am reading from the NRSV version. From there he, meaning Jesus, set out and went away to the region of Tyre. He entered a house and did not want anyone to know he was there. Yet he could not escape notice. But a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit immediately heard about him. And she came and bowed down at his feet. Now the woman was a Gentile of Seraphonician origin. She begged him to cast the demon out of her daughter. He said to her, let the children be fed first, for it is not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. But she answered him, sir, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. Then he said to her, for saying that you may go, the demon has left your daughter. So she went home found the child lying on the bed and the demon gone. Let us pray. God, we thank you that in spite of our circumstances, in spite of who we are and what we do, you always see us. God, thank you for seeing us in a way that often others cannot. Thank you for choosing to love us in spite of ourselves. And God, as we sit collectively in this moment today, be with us. Let your love resound. Speak to each and every one of us so individually that we cannot ignore your voice. We cannot ignore the prompting on our hearts. We cannot ignore what you may be calling us to do, even if it is difficult. Speak to us, God. And we will know that because you are speaking to us so specifically, we don't need permission or affirmation or confirmation from anybody else. We will trust you and we will go in the direction of whatever you are calling us to do. We love you, God. We are grateful. I pray right now and I will get behind you, God, so that what people see and what they hear 
is only your sweet spirit. We love you and it is in your name we pray. Amen. 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 You may be seated, but I just want to highlight verse 27 again in your hearing. He said to her, let the children be fed first, for it is not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. But she answered, sir, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. It's been a great month. We've been selling, celebrating Women's History Month all month long here at FCBC. Amen. Amen. And making sure that we have been acknowledging the women in the Bible who are overlooked, as well as those who are known. And what we also know is that every day in our communities, there are women who are doing the work on the ground to make sure that we have what we need. And so we are so grateful that we have a whole grouping of women <laughs> who showed up today to be with us on this last Sunday in Women's History Month. So I just wanna acknowledge some of them today. Um, we have Dr. Hazel Dukes, who is the president of New York State NAACP. Hallelujah. We have New York State Senator Cordell Clear. We have New York City Councilwoman Kristen Richardson Jordan, as well as her chief of staff, Giselle. Amen. We have Deputy Manhattan Borough President Kristen Sutton James. Hallelujah. As, long, as well as Mina White. Who else? We have we have a ton of women. We have our Manhattan Community Board 10 Chair, Cicely Harris. Amen. We have Margaret Grossman, president of Sugar Hill Capital. We have the executive director of our Children's Defense Fund, Kirsina Dozier. And we have Isabel Abreu from the Union Settlement House. We thank you all for being with us and for the work that you are doing in our communities. God bless you. Hallelujah. Thank you. Thank you so much. And what we also know is for all the women that we name, there are also lists and lists and lists of women who are unnamed, who do that work. But here's what you should always be reminded is that you don't look for the applause of man. You look for the applause of God. So know that no matter what, God always knows your name. And that is why it has been such a blessing to be able to highlight these women in the Bible because what we may not realize is that only a little bit over 5% of the women who are listed and named in the Bible, there's only 5% of the women. 95% of the women that we read about in the Bible have no name. They are designated by whose wife they are. They are designated by their issue. They are designated by where they are from, but 95% of the women in the Bible are not named. But that doesn't lessen their impact. It doesn't lessen the fact that thousands of years later, we are going to talk about them. And so what I love about this, the scripture that we're reading today, this is one of my favorite favorite scriptures. But what I loved and also what um, Pastor Lakeisha highlighted last year or, there, or last week are that there are plenty of women who were in the lives of Jesus that helped Jesus get that little push, that helped Jesus shift a little bit. And see, oftentimes we spend so much time deifying Jesus 
that we almost get a one-sided perspective of who Jesus is. We acknowledge Jesus as the son of God, but we rarely talk about the son of man, the carpenter. And when we do not talk about the very human times and the very humanness of Jesus, we miss some of the lessons that we can learn. Because in that human side of Jesus, we see a Jesus who shifts, who evolves, and who changes his mind, who's whose um, ministry was not fixed along the three years of his ministry, Jesus changes. And if Jesus can shift, if Jesus can evolve, then what does that say about what we are called to do? And so I love these scriptures because sometimes they allow us to see a different side of Jesus. Maybe that's a little bit uncomfortable, but when we see that Jesus makes that shift, we are reminded that we too need to be making that shift. And so as the story goes, Jesus is, he has just finished. Jesus has, let me tell you where Jesus, Jesus had just finished walking on water. Jesus had just finished healing a whole bunch of folk, right? And then he goes and he goes to a house in a town and he's trying to hide and be in secret. But I mean, if you walk on water and people touch the hem of your garment and you get healed, I mean, your name is going to precede you. So even though Jesus was trying to hide, it wasn't very long before the word got out that, oh, Jesus is in town. Jesus is in town. And so it says that there was a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit. And so she makes the decision to go and meet Jesus. And see right here in verse 26, they make it clear to let us know that she was a Gentile that she was of Seraphonician origin. Why? Because as uncomfortable as it may seem, we have to understand that Jesus's mission was to the Jews. Jesus had a specific mission. And oftentimes people outside of Jesus's mission who got healed only got healed because they said something. But even though we don't read it, there were throngs of folks that I am sure Jesus walked by and did not heal because they were not a part of his mission. We like to imagine that Jesus is all sweet and holding the lamb. And I guess he was holding the lamb of the lost sheep of Israel because that was who Jesus's mission was for. And that doesn't make it a bad thing. We all have missions. I run the Dream Center. We have a mission. If it's, not, if it's outside of our mission, it's not something that we often do. And so when you are not on the mind of someone, when you are not a part of their mission, sometimes you have to speak so that they can help you. See, so many of us forfeit things because we sit in a victimized position. I am not stating the fact that yes, sometimes you are worthy and you are valuable and yes, they should. Yes, you do deserve that raise. But if it's not on the mind of your boss and you don't say anything, but you're mad. Yes, someone should treat you better, but if you didn't speak up and set boundaries for how they should treat you and then you're mad, because we are not often on the mission or the mind of other people. Folks got their own lives, their own agendas, and the things that they're trying to do. And even my mother, my mother is the most helpiest of helpless people ever. And one of the most empathetic people that I, that I know. I'm gonna tell you this story. Sorry, mama. My mama is here. 
And I just want to use this story to highlight how empathetic my mother is, but also a lesson that I learned from my mother a long time ago. So I have adopted this old arthritic cat. The cat is literally 90. And I'm saying that because the cat in cat years is 17. He takes arthritis medicine in the morning. He walks up and down the aisles like an old man. He is old. But he's also very spoiled because he came from the same home that he was in for many years. So he kind of is a cat with dog tendencies. He wants you to pet him and love him. So, you know, my mom don't even really like cats. She's not really a cat person. And the other day we're sitting on the couch watching TV and the cat makes this loud meow when it wants to be pet and it wants attention. I mean, it's, it, is, it sounds like a human. And I ignore it because I'm like, oh, like, I, you know, you're, you're, you're just being spoiled. And my mom begins to cry. She is crying because the cat is crying. And I do what you know what a good daughter does. I laugh in her face. And I am laughing and laughing and she is crying, but she is laughing. She does not understand why she is feeling the feelings of the cat and she feels so bad because the cat is crying. I say that to say that my mom is the healthiest of help and some, one of the most empathetic people. But one of the lessons I also learned from my mom and what she would tell me is that she is never going to do more for somebody than they're willing to do for themselves. So even though my mom will help everybody, when she sees that that person is not willing to advocate more for themselves than she is, that is where the help stops. And so I tried to implement that into my own life, that why am I working harder for you to change than you're willing to work? Why am I going harder for you in this thing than you're willing to go? And so I say that to say that for some of us, if we were the Seraphonician woman, the story would have ended there. Because we would have been upset that Jesus had told us no. We would have been upset because Jesus insulted us and we would have put our tails in between our legs and we would have went home. Some of us sad in a victim posture, some of us with an attitude. Oh no, because I know I deserve better. I know I, <laughs> I am a queen. You know, all, all the things. And I'm not saying that posture is a bad posture. What I'm saying that in certain circumstances, that posture stops us from getting what we need. Because here, here it goes. She begs. You have to understand, this woman is desperate. Her kid has a demon. For all the parents in the house, it is one thing when you are hurting. It is a different thing when your child is in pain. Listen, there is some courage and some strength. I may not have regularly, but when it comes to Nia and Naya, you get a demon. You could you come for me, but if you come through my kids, you're going to see a little bit, you're going to see that mama bear. You're going to see a little bit different because there is something. So here is this woman who is desperate. And maybe any other day she wouldn't have said anything because she had already begged Jesus. She had already laid at his feet. When you read the Matthew version of it, it says that the disciples were saying, tell her to go away. She is bothering us. Tell her to stop following us. And she is begging him, Lord, son of man, save my daughter. Her daughter, who is tormented, imagine that. Imagine the place of desperation. Because you have to know that Jesus probably wasn't her first stop. That was probably her last hope. Because as a woman, as a Seraphonician woman, she was triply marginalized. She was a woman, she was a Gentile, and because she had come to this other land, she was a foreigner. 
And we know what it's like to be marginalized. And when you know that you need something and see here, there's a position of power that's taking place. Jesus is in power. Jesus has the ability to help her. And it's not that he, he, he can't, it's that he won't. And so for so many of us, we know what it's like to be told to go to the back of the line. We know what it's like to have our needs not met because we don't fulfill the mission. We know what it's like to be in need of something and the people who can help you will not help you. That is where this woman is. That is where she is. So imagine her saying Jesus and for Jesus to say, let the children be fed first for it is not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. Listen, I don't care if the Greek translates it to little dog, because that's what it says, like a little house dog. I don't care. As a woman, I don't want to ever be called a dog. Not Spot, not Sparky, not Buddy. I don't care. Big dog, little dog, tall dog, small. I never want to be likened to a dog. And though it is in the Old Testament, the dog really meant foreigner. It meant outsider. It meant someone. Jesus is like, basically, let the children get fed. And see, in the Matthew version, Jesus wasn't even going to help. Jesus didn't even tell her to get to the end of the line. He just said, my mission is to the lost house of Israel. So he told her straight up, no. Here, she is already, imagine waiting in line for something for hours. And you get to the front of the line. You have waited your turn. You have been there since 6 a.m. You know that Jesus has healed all these other people. You know a whole throng of people had just touched the hem of his garment and gotten healed. You know he just walked on water. And you wait. And you wait. And you wait. And you get to the front of the line only to be told to go to the back of the line. And if I help everybody else who is a part of who I'm supposed to help, then maybe there is something for you. That is what's happening here today. So she had a choice. <laughs> I can get to the back of the line. I can go home. But if I go home, what's, what's the option? My child is going to die? My child is going to suffer? No, sir. Not today. Even today, Jesus will not be an obstacle to my child getting what I need. And I see, I love a good little quip, a good little, you know, so I love, you know, she's like, well, even the dogs get the crumbs from the table. Even the dogs get the crumbs from the table, crumbs, morsels, portions. But I like the word scraps. And I like the word scraps because I come from a lineage of people who know how to turn scraps to sustenance. I had a mother, a single mother, who raised three children on 20-something thousand dollars a year. Scraps, made meals, and we never went hungry and never not had what we needed. Scraps. We celebrate scraps today. Every Thanksgiving, we eating ham hocks, chitlins, neck bones, gizzards. That was scraps. What the masters didn't want to eat, they threw to us. And we made it a meal. And baby, we turned it into an annual celebration. 
scraps. So we know a little bit about what to do with the scraps. And so it has bothered me a bit because I have seen, especially over the past couple of years, these articles and the things where people are like, baby, don't let them give you the leftovers. Don't let them just feed you the scraps. Don't take what anything, anything anybody can give you. And there is a place for that. But sometimes if it's scraps or death, I'm choosing the scraps. I'm choosing the scraps. And that is what this woman did. She understood that there was still something in the scraps. See, the scraps are the landmine of creativity and ingenuity and tenacity and stick-to-itiveness. When you can take the scraps and make whole meals and recreate things. See, today people make scraps real cute. Oh, you know, when you take the scraps and compost them, right? And upcycling, right? That's scrap. When you take the cars and you write and you, uh, you re-renovate them so you can sell them. All of that is great. But there was a time when scraps meant survival. And for this woman, the scraps meant survival. So she said, that's okay, Jesus. I don't need the whole meal. Because sometimes, you know, they say if they don't make a table for you, bring the chair. But sometimes you don't even get a chair. But that's okay. Drop these little scraps right here. Bet you I do something with them. Drop these little scraps. Right oh, you don't think I have enough qualifications? Drop this little scrap right here. See what I do with this little opportunity. Oh, you want to only crack the door? That's okay. I'll figure out how to get in. We have to figure out sometimes what to do with the scraps. Does it mean that it's fair? No. Does it mean that there are systems that don't need to change? No. Does it mean that the people are even right? No. But sometimes we have to be able to humble ourselves and say that I come from a God who will make a way out of no way. I know a God that will show up for me. I know a God who fed people in the, in the desert with manna and understand that even the scraps can do something in your life. And so that is what this woman decided. Today? <laughs> no, 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 not today. Give me the scraps. And I remember Pastor Darren was here some years ago and he was preaching and he preached about this cake and he was using it in a reference here. And he talked about how someone ate, I don't remember all of the story, but someone ate up all the cake, all the cake, and there was only the crumbs of the cake left. But the person took up and ate the crumbs and said, because the same thing that's in the crumbs is in the cake. And so I began to wonder about this woman. And I wonder if she was like, hmm. I remember when there was another woman who only needed a scrap from Jesus. She didn't need Jesus to touch her. She didn't ask for Jesus' position, uh, permission. She crawled up and just got the hem of his garments and got saved. She didn't need the whole thing. And so the understanding that the scraps still have value. And so the next time someone tries to throw you a scrap, maybe we need to change our perspective on it. So that we get what we need. Because her choosing to act differently meant her daughter doesn't get what she needs. And so this is what I love about the scripture because what it says is in verse 29, then he said to her, 
for saying that you may go. For saying that. See, the other version of the um, of math, uh, in Matthew says, for your faith. And yes, it did require faith, but I like this version because that saying, that word translates as logos. The logos, the word, it's the very same word that often in the book of John is attributed to Jesus. You are saying a thing that is right. You are speaking truth. And because of your ability to speak the truth in spite of what is in front of you, your ability to speak the truth, even though you may get a no, your ability to speak the truth to somebody who is in a higher position than you, your ability to speak the truth for that, you get what you need. And so many of us are abdicating what we need because we are not willing to speak. We don't think our voices have value. Sometimes, listen, my therapist has told me many and many a times on all of the co-pays that I have given her that sometimes you don't speak so that the other person will hear you. Sometimes you have to speak to practice understanding the power in your voice. Because the less you speak, the less you don't say things, that it's easy for that to become your posture. Then you don't want to say anything anymore. You don't want to stand up for anything. You don't want to stand tall for anything. You don't want to stand for anything. You stay in silence hoping that someone sees you. Hoping. But we are not the man by the pool of Bethesda hoping that Jesus might come by and see us. And if, even if Jesus did, that means that one of us can get it. But if we speak, maybe all of us can get it. And so we have to learn to advocate the power of our voices. And for that, it says, she goes home and finds her child lying in bed and the demon is gone, gone. Because for her, the scraps were sustenance. Sustenance meaning life. I read this in my, um, in my devotion this morning, this book by Mark Nepo called The Book of Awakening. And what it says in part of the devotion for this morning is to give voice to what lives inside of us is what keeps things possible. To give voice to what lives inside of us. There are things that are on the inside of us that we are afraid to speak. And the less we speak, they begin to die. But the more we are able to speak up, to say things in spite of, things become possible because it says letting things out also lets things in. Letting things out also lets, when she let out what she said in that moment, it let life in. When, when Reverend Lakeisha read us, Pastor Lakeisha led us through the contemplative moment and when we breathe in and we breathe out, we are letting some things go, but we are welcoming some things in. And so for some of us today, we simply have to learn to do one of two things or both, whatever is resonating with you today. Be a little bit more mindful of the scraps, but also speak when you have the opportunity to speak and advocate for yourself. It doesn't mean, you know, and again, that doesn't mean that it's always gonna be the time for that, but you know, you feel it. You know those moments when you walked away from something too soon and you know you should have said something. 
You know there was something that you should have tried a little bit harder. We know when we've played into the victim thing because we, we just don't want to fight anymore. I get it. Sometimes you get tired of fighting. You get tired. You don't, you don't want anybody, you don't want to have to keep telling people you're valuable. You don't want to have to keep fighting again, going again, doing again, trying to let people know and see you and treat you better. And I get it. But what is on the other side of you doing it one more time? That might be the time that you get what you need. And so I encourage you today to let some things out so you can let other things in. Amen? Amen. Let us go to God in prayer. I want to ask that you stand in the building if you are able. Listen, you can feel <laughs> the collective tiredness in this place. The weight of personal pain, but global pain. The way our world just continues to seem to get sicker and sicker. Sometimes you're waking up and when you wake up, all you feel is hopelessness and you're tired. And I know, cause I'm tired too. And when you come from certain backgrounds, women, folk of color, those who've been marginalized, you have these additional fights. And even when you're not fighting, you're fighting in your mind. You're walking into doors and spaces trying to wonder if people want you there or not, whether you're worthy, how hard you have to fight, navigating what to say and what to say. Listen, we know, especially as women, when we say it, it sounds different than a man and we get, and we get labeled certain things when we decide to stand up and speak, speak anyway. Because the only names that matter are the ones that God knows you by. So if you're tired in this place today, I want you to raise one hand. Now, if you can be reminded of a time that God has shown up for you, seen and unseen, I want you to raise the other hand. And right there, you were in the posture to get all that you need. You were in a space of surrender, recognizing that yes, I'm tired, but when I am weak, God's strength is made perfect in my weakness. Then when I don't know what to say, it says if, if I can't say a word, I'll just raise my hands. It says in the Bible that God can translate your tears in your groans, in your moans. So sometimes all you can do is say, mm. and even though someone else doesn't know what that pain means, God knows. You don't have to be articulate or perfect to make your request known to God. All you need to know is that life and death is in the power of the tongue. 
so you can speak some things. I am the head and not the tail. I am the lender and not the borrower. I am victorious, not a victim. And you can speak those things because God's yes is louder than anybody's no. God, we thank you today. God, we know that folks are tired. And if we're quite honest, there may be some in here, God, who don't want to raise their hands and don't want to acknowledge you because they are so angry with you for not showing up the way that we thought you would show up, for not stepping into circumstances that we thought you would step into, God. But even still, make yourself known. Because it says that you are a God, that there is nowhere we could go to the bowels of hell and you would still be there with us. So I thank you, God, that you are holding each and every person under the sound of my voice in your arms. And they are being reminded that they are loved, that they are not forgotten, that you've seen them, that weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning, that your grace and mercy is there and available and they don't have to do anything to receive it. That you love them, that you care for them, that you are walking and journeying with them. And even in the moments that it may feel like you're silent, sometimes you are just waiting for us to speak so that when it's quiet and we don't know what to do and we feel like you are silent, that maybe what's missing in the void is not your voice, but ours. Speaking some things. So yeah, there may be somebody today or in this week that tells us we are not worthy of something, but we can look them right back and remind them that even the scraps can provide sustenance. We love you, God. We are grateful and it is in your name we pray, amen, amen, amen. Thank you for listening to the FCBC NYC podcast. We hope that what you heard was informative and inspiring and in some way created a space for you to have a creative encounter with God. You can follow us on social media and on the internet at fcbcnyc.org. Please follow and also contribute. If you've been blessed by what you heard, support us financially that we may continue to offer these podcasts. Thank you again, and we look forward to you tuning back in in the future.